That one, year number four. It's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hello, everyone. It is Craig Wessels, and we are coming to you live from the East Coast of the United States. It is 8 o'clock on Tuesday night on the 9th of May. It is 10 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday in Melbourne. And this is a Yank on the Footy live. And we're going to be looking back a little bit at round eight, as well as touching on a number of big issues this week. And uh, well, let's just uh, get it out there to start out with right now, folks. The tribunal of course, is back in the forefront, and uh, it is uh, it has got a lot of people up in arms. Well, I guess if they can get their arms free, uh, or if they need a little bit of elbow room, or some chin music, or whatever euphemism you want to use, because I I don't think that there's a club that came out of this week that isn't somehow, some way, just a little bit uh, miffed at uh at Mr. Gleason and the uh the tribunal and and quite frankly I I I truthfully am beginning to think that it's uh it's almost like uh the tribunal has become a game of wheel of fortune and let's just spin the wheel and see what happens in terms of what type of adjudication is going to come out of it here um and I think we can even go back to late 2022 on that one. And I'm going to piss off a lot of uh, Arlton supporters here. And I'm going to make a lot of uh, Brisbane supporters, maybe not in agreement here, but uh, I'm still trying to figure out how Patrick Cripps played at the end of the season and did not end up getting uh, penalized for his actions last year. I mean, that one right there was still one that I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around. And yet this week we have, even more strange things going on. You know, uh, Jacob Van Ruin, uh, his ban was upheld, the two-game ban uh, for his shot in the uh, the game against Gold Coast um, when he took uh, Ballard out. And it sounds like uh, Ballard is going to be healthy this week and be able to play, which is fantastic. You know, it was certainly precautionary taking him off the ground the way that they did, which, you know, I completely understand them doing that. You know, and again, I've only been following the game now for a little over seven years, but I'm sure there are many of you that remember watching the game when you were younger back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe even back into the 60s, where it would have been, you know, Simply just give that guy a swift kick in the ass and tell him to get up and come over to the sideline and, you know, we'll replace you. We'll see if you're, uh, you know, if you're actually as uh, banged up as as maybe you think you are. Um, but this is a this has been a, an interesting weekend. And, and yes, I am going to put my cat's hat on here in just a moment uh, right over here to my left. And I am going to, uh, you know, kind of complain a little bit about the. Uh, the. Uh, confirmation of Bradley Close's one game suspension for his tackle on Jordan Dawson. And and I guess I, I'm sub, I'm wondering with regards to these, what else is he supposed to do? I mean, seriously, what, what else is he supposed to do in this situation? You know, you, you've got a guy who is, I believe they said he's about 20 kilos heavier. So he's about 35, 40 pounds, maybe 50 pounds heavier than Brad Close. He's got a little bit more sand in his pants. And uh, as a result, getting that man to the ground 
may not be as easy for somebody like Brad Close, who you know is a tremendous tackler. But of course, what is he going to be like going forward here? Uh, is this going to make him more reluctant to engage in in tackles? Um, but it's it's just uh, it's just kind of a, a little bit of a mind boggling situation here that I I I don't quite get it. And I know that that I think there's been a significant pendulum swing the other direction. And again, I am trust me, I am all about player safety, player health, that sort of thing. But it is. Overkill is not the right word to use, but I think are, are we overcorrecting? Are we are we turning into the skid and actually having the car go off the uh, the track anyway because we've overcorrected here? I, I don't know because I th- I think that we're going to see here where you know here in the United States we we have a uh, you know with gridiron football you know of course not everybody plays tackle football you have youngsters you know young kids will start out playing what is known as flag football. And they will have a they the kids will wear a little um belt that they have fastened around their waist. And on the two sides of that belt are two little, most cases they're like made out of a canvas or a plastic material, little flags that stick off of the sides, and they're attached to this belt by a piece of velcro. And the players go out and they play a football game, but you're you're considered tackled when one of the opposing players pulls the flag off of your belt or should your belt fall off, then you're probably tackling yourself with it. Are we going to get to the point now where we're going to start putting our, you know, our athletes in these uh, little flag belts and okay, well, that's a, you know, that's a held ball. Now I got your flag off. It's a, it's a free kick my direction. Then I, I, I think that that, uh, that harkens, you know, the end of, of the game, if that's the case, and I think if if that's the case, Tasmania, you shouldn't bother wasting your time putting together a club for 2028 because at the rate we're going, the game you think you're getting in the next five years may not be the game you actually get because who the heck knows what it's going to look like. And again, I'm not advocating, you know, the, you know, let's see the big hits and let's see who can, you know, be con- concussed and that sort of thing and knock each other out and punch people like the 89 grand final. I'm not advocating that at all, but I'm I'm just wondering, have we, have we reached too far in terms of making the fixes to this? We've taken the initiative and the, the athleticism out of the game. Yeah. And I'm looking at an article from uh, Sam Landsberger out of code sports uh, and I think this was Sam's article. I looked at a couple different ones today, but uh, yeah, this is Sam's article here. And I highlighted this uh, talking about uh, Close's tackle on uh, on Dawson. Uh, not only did Close not release Dawson's arm, he held tight and pulled his wrist back as he tried to free his arm and brace. The force of Dawson's head hitting the grass was apparent. His head bounced on the turf. His momentarily momentary pain was visible and there was a potential for facial or concussion injury. We find the impact medium. Now, uh, gentlemen, uh, I think it's Lindsey Gilby, who I'm not familiar with that name, said it was a shocking decision to ban close. Um, later on, the uh, the league said that the Crows captain was, quote, physically dazed, albeit momentarily, and the tackle could have, quote, easily have led to a concussion or neck injury. But is the result, is what actually happens, does that, t- does that carry any weight? And and I guess not because uh, you know even though uh, you know Van Ruins shot uh, on uh, the young man from Gold Coast on Ballard was uh, 
did not result in Ballard being injured. In fact, it's it's thought that he's going to play this week out at uh, Opera Stadium against the Eagles. You know, his two game ban was was upheld. I mean, are we going to get to a point? And again, I don't know. And I don't know if this is a game that that those of you who've been following it forever are wanting to do um, or wanting to see happen. But uh, are we going to get to a point where key defenders simply don't make a play on the ball anymore? That we get back to where we have key forwards kicking 100 plus goals a year because the defenders are afraid to try to spoil the ball. And again, I, I don't know if, if if there is a right answer to this, but you know, it's uh it is just it's it's frustrating. And yeah, I'm I'm a little ticked off about Brad Closes. I've got my blue and white striped uh my hoops glasses on right now looking at that one. But you know, the Van Ruin one, his intent was certainly not there to, you know, to injure uh Ballard. You know, he did leave the appearance of what was, you know, thought to be uh, a significant injury, but uh, turns out he's going to be okay. But I wonder if they're ever getting, you know, if they're going to take that sort of thing into consideration, because I think that we're going to start seeing players really begin to pull up and not want to engage at all. And, and I, I think that that ends up being something that we don't recognize as football anymore. And, and I, and I don't know, I don't know if, uh, if that is something that is sustainable in this game. Um. You know, and looking then also uh, at the other one, the other instance there, you, you had uh, Nick Newman, uh, his strike on Lockie Neal, which was initially um, listed as a, a single game uh, suspension, but he has been let off because the the forearm that they charged him striking uh, Neal with turned out to not be the one that he was struck in the jaw with. And Lockie Neal even wrote a letter to the uh, tribunal, basically saying that, uh, that he didn't feel that the, that the arm had struck him and that he was fine. Um, I get, you know, so our, and somebody had mentioned here, uh, I read on here, um, his, uh, Peter O'Farrell, who was the, uh, the, Nick Newman's uh, counsel there, you know, why would, and again, from uh, Sam Landsberger's article as well, why would an AFL footballer intentionally strike Lockie Neal 20 meters from his goal? Uh, Neal's evidence was clear that he was hit to the chest with a hand. There's no better evidence in terms of someone that was hit than from the person that was hit. You've got that from a Brownlow medalist, a Brownlow medalist that's got nothing to gain from being here tonight other than demonstrating his good character or possibly showing up and just reminding the tribunal that, you know what? I should be a two-time Brown medalist, but y'all dropped the damn ball on that last year. And I, and again, I don't know. I, and maybe, and I would love to get into Lockie Neal's mind about that and ask him that question. But do you think Lockie Neal actually wrote this letter just to get his name in front of the tribunal, just as a little bit of a reminder to say, I know what you did last summer. I remember what you did or last winter, as the case may be summer here, winter there. Uh, but uh, I just would love if that's the case. I mean, that would be so devious if that's actually what happened. Uh, but, you know, I just uh, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm frustrated by it. And, and, and you know, I get, the Brad Close thing. OK, he's going to be out for a week. They'll find somebody to plug in there. I'm sure that uh, you're going to see. um Brandon Parfit's probably going to come into the midfield for Patty Dangerfield, and we'll have to see who's going to come in on the uh, 
out on the uh, the wing there, but uh, you know, it's at the you know, half forward spot there. But it 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 because they're a little bit beat up there now with Stangle out as well, and Rowan not being back either. Although Sam Simpson's been a nice addition up there, so we shall see what happens. Uh, you know, maybe Zach Tui comes forward this week. Who knows? But a uh, couple of other things I wanted to get into. Uh, you know, it, I'm sure most of you have seen the the uh, video of uh, Matt Rowell at the game uh, recently, and I, I'm assuming this was the game at uh, is it Heritage Bank Stadium now, the new name for it that used to be uh, Metricon. Uh, that he was he's stretching out, and then he ate a couple pieces of grass. Okay, we all have superstitions. We all have things that we that we do. Um, I see nothing wrong with that. Uh, I did want to mention this is where I, you know, my being an old old baseball fan, no longer really a baseball fan, but uh, an old baseball fan remembers a player uh that played in the major leagues here in the united states back in the late 70s and early 80s and i think he spent six years in professional baseball and he played with the philadelphia phillies st louis cardinals the toronto blue jays and the oakland athletics soon to be the las vegas athletics uh as they're getting ready to leave oakland uh sorry to the castle brothers from americans watching the footy one of their clubs is leaving town um but Rick Bassetti, and I will put a link to this in my show notes. I'll put I couldn't find any other evidence, but I remember reading about this when I was a kid, and I thought, well, actually as a teenager, and I thought, well, this is a little bizarre behavior. Um, it was like one of those strange but true um baseball books that I remember having when I was a kid. And I'm sure I passed it along to my son, who's a big baseball fan. But Rick Bassetti was an outfielder, and he made it his mission. And he accomplished it, according to him, having played in both the American and National Leagues. That means that he did this in 28 different parks. I think he did it in 28 different parks at the time, maybe 26 different parks. But he urinated in the outfield of all 26 major league parks. Yeah, he took a leak in the outfield. Now, I don't believe he did that during the game. I think that was a pregame thing, or he went out after the game when there was nobody left in the stands, and he took a leak on the field. Now... I'm not sure what his uh, reasoning behind that was. I, I'm not sure if there's some sort of a uh, a canine attribute to this where he was marking his territory. I mean, he was a mediocre player. Yes, he managed to spend uh, at least six or seven years in Major League Baseball, which is nothing to sneeze at, but still was not a phenomenal player. He's not somebody that, you know, when people think, okay, name the best, you know, 500 players ever played Major League Baseball, he's not going to be in that discussion anywhere probably not even in the top five thousand that have played professional baseball or major league baseball but yet i just thought it was kind of interesting now granted i do hope that rick Bassetti and matt rowell have never been on the same ground at approximately the same time or if they have i hope matt rowell got there first but uh i just thought it was it was really interesting to 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 see and i watched a clip on this yeah, I saw a little video clip of it today i heard somebody mention it i just thought it was kind of strange but i've seen people do that sort of thing before um, I've not done it. I, I had a thing where when I was coaching, I ended up putting pieces of, I ended up chewing more and more and more pieces of chewing gum during the course of the game. And by the time, you know, this was coaching high school football, I would finish a game of football and I would have anywhere between 25 and 30 pieces of, of bubble gum in my mouth. And it would, yeah, and it would just be this big wad of, of gum not quite the same size as a cricket ball, but getting close to that. And, and and there's actually a photograph that I have hanging in my classroom 
Uh, and if I remember, I'll take a photograph of it and I'll upload it onto my uh, Instagram page and I'll probably put it up on my Twitter as well. But there's a photograph of me there uh, during our state championship game back in uh, December of 1999. So 24 years ago, I'm repairing a uh, a clasp that held the face mask on for one of our football players, a young man by the name of Jonathan Suter, who's not young anymore. He's in his 40s. But I'm I'm screwing this piece back onto his uh, helmet and I am uh, blowing a bubble that is about the size of my head while I'm doing that. So kind of this nonchalant, casual thing. And it was a very stressful game. Uh, but I was fixing the helmet at that point in time and kind of just uh, taking it easy doing that. So I know we all have our superstitions. OK, so and again, I uh, I'm I don't begrudge what Matt Rowell does. I, I kind of uh, am glad nobody had cell phone cameras when Rick Bassetti was playing, but uh, to to each their own. Now, on the injury front, again, I, I do want to uh, to to uh, drop a quick note from uh, uh, that I got from Dr. Tim Althred, who was my guest back on episode 257. And he's actually started a new Facebook group uh, that it's kind of a Bulldogs uh, centric group, but it is also one that is devoted to the fine points of whiskey. Now I'm, I'm not much of a drinker. Um, I don't begrudge anybody that does. I just have a long family history of alcoholism and once on one side of my family. So I tend to shy away from it. And quite frankly, I can't afford all of those empty calories anymore. I have to put all my calories to work, uh, trying to lose weight now. So, and again, around 62 kilos lost since August of 2021. But, uh, He's he's a physician by trade, and he sent me a note this morning uh, with regards to Sam Darcy. And if you're a Bulldog supporter, you know that Sam Darcy is going to be out for a while. And he discussed and he shared with me that it was an unfortunate turn of events uh, about him. And as he said, that he had what was known as a, a primary spontaneous pneumothorax, that it's not traumatic. It's There's not an underlying di disease related thing and that lung collapses like this are more common than some of us might think. Uh, and as he said, especially the, you know, the risk things are being tall and very slim uh, and male. Well, OK, I am male. I'm not tall, but I'm working on getting slim. But uh, I do want to wish him the absolute best uh, yeah, as it's kind of like, a, as he said, kind of a wait and see sort of thing with regards to the uh, to the recovery. So it's going to be a matter of time before um He's back out there. And as he said, he did see him uh, leaving a, a local cafe with some friends a couple of days ago, and he seemed to be in good spirits. So that just kind of reinforces what I always say about how, um, you know, footy is a lot different from sport here in the United States because you're likely to run into or at least encounter people who are involved in the games that you love in Australia, whether it be footy. I'm assuming that the same thing would be the case for uh, the two different rugby competitions. What is it, the rugby league and the NRL? I think those are those are the two different ones, I believe, right? Somebody's going to correct me if I'm wrong there. But, you know, those folks are out amongst the supporters in the community, not so much if you're an NBA player or a Major League Baseball player because they're running in different circles, okay, and certainly NFL players as well. Now, you know, I had a few people drop me notes. Um, and, oh, you know, I wanted to get to the uh, – and I should have gotten to this one when I was talking about the MR – the uh, the – the match review. Uh, and this was from uh, Port Adelaide's greatest uh, um, Western Hemisphere uh, supporter. And he is from uh, Brazil. And uh, this is uh, on Twitter. If you've not followed uh, this gentleman here, if you're a Port supporter, you're definitely going to want to do this. But his Twitter handle is 
Gremio Power, you know, at G-R-E-M-I-O-P-O-W-E-R. And he was referencing, and he, he sent me a note this morning again as well. So I was reading these as I got to my classroom this morning. Uh, is he talking about the MRO and saying that the system is broken? And I, I believe it's firmly by design. And it's, and I think that he's, you know, he's a little tongue in cheek here. But, you know, he said that, you know, the, the game is so good that the AFL house cannot destroy it. But, boy, they try umpiring the MRO and tribunal, the fixture awards, match broadcasting. They are all bad. Now, he is a massive supporter of this game, and, and, and he tweets a great deal about footy and is a very passionate supporter, and I do want to get him on the podcast. I've just not set anything up with him, um, but he's had some great lines about uh, about the game here uh, recently, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm following him because he's had some, some, some great observations. And uh, the other thing I wanted to get into, um, or a couple of other things here, because this is going to be a, a slightly shorter episode than than last week's live, because we're only about a, we're going to be a, probably about a half an hour to forty minutes today. It uh, doesn't look like anybody's going to be hopping on with me today, which is certainly okay. I did send out the link to everybody who's on my mailing list, and if you want to get on my mailing list, so uh, when I do live episodes, that link will be in your email, so you can hop on. Uh, when that's happening. Also, when new episodes come out, you'll have those in your inbox very quickly. Uh, Matt Dean, also on Twitter, uh, and he is at Howard, Howard U-B-E-E, H-O-W-A-R-D-U-B-E-E. Uh, he was uh, tweeting back to Mason Cox talking about uh, you know, the possibility of how, how do we go about growing the game, and uh, there was discussion about where can games be played next, and um, you know, again, another Sam Sam Landsberger article from Code Sports talking about the uh, where can games go next, and you know, discussion about the uh, the gather round and where does it go next, and people talking about maybe the gather round should come to the United States. Well, I would love that. Okay, I would definitely. Yeah, and, and and I'm not advocating it, but I certainly would love that because I would I would try to be at. Hopefully, they would figure out a way to play all nine games or however many they're going to be played, how many teams there are at that time uh, in the same location. But I could, I could see the gather round being something that is a gather in the United States. And maybe, you know, supposedly there are new cricket grounds being built in Dallas right now, um, which could be beneficial to the, uh, to the, the local footy clubs that are down there, the Dallas Dingoes and North Texas Devils that could work out to their benefit uh, here going forward. Um, you know, of course you had uh I guess South Africa, there were there was a game played in 2008 between uh, Port Adelaide and St. Kilda. You know, we've seen games played in uh, China recently. Uh, back in 2021, before COVID, I believe it was GWS and Essendon who were supposed to be coming to Los Angeles and play uh, a game for premiership points as well. Um, and, and somebody mentioned that back in the 80s, there was actually a discussion about putting a team in Los Angeles. I... I as much as I'd love to say, hey, wow, look at that. We've got a team here in the U.S. I don't know how feasible that really is. I really don't. Um, and I kind of feel that way about what the NFL is trying to do with, you know, the possibility of placing a, a team in Europe. You know, they're they're playing lots of games in Europe. I think they played four or five games in between the U.K. and uh, Germany. And I think maybe even one in France this year as well. Uh, but I... I don't know the feasibility of that. And, you know, because if you've got, if you've got a team that's, you know, based in London, for example, and they've got to go play a game against the Los Angeles Rams, you know, you're talking about a roughly 12, 13 hour flight 
to get from London to Los Angeles and then back again? I mean, are they going to keep, will they keep that team in North America to play a couple games in a row here before they send them back to London to play three or four games at home? I mean, I just think that the air travel would be an extreme detriment to uh, to those clubs. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's a great idea to, you know, it's, I think it's a great idea to play the occasional game where, you know, teams will play a couple games there. Cause it sounds like the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, are kind of being forward deployed, if you will, to play a couple games every year in the UK, because I believe that the owner of that team, Shad Khan also owns a, a soccer team in the UK. And I, I couldn't tell you which one I don't follow soccer at all. I think there isn't there a Chelsea um, team and there I know and I'm sure there's a Chelsea I think where's the blue jumper the blue Guernseys and uh, I'm sure there's another you know there's other clubs there that people are going oh mention my team I, I would love to tell you um, I I don't I don't know them I'm sorry okay and I I feel sort of bad about that uh, but you know I don't know if we could actually play you know have a team here in the United States it would be wonderful to have. Uh, but I, I just don't know how well that would work out. Um, I don't think it would work out great. But the occasional game here, I think that you know, once we had a facility for that, once we had something that had the necessary seating that you could maybe put twenty thousand people into the stadium, you know, because our stadiums per se are not built for footy. They don't have the footprint, the size that you would need to uh, to play a game there. I know how many people you know complain about the and. Uh, Nick, I'm talking to you. I know you talk about that cow paddock down at Cardinia Park, um, but that would look like a uh, a massive, massive ground compared to what you would be able to find at the present here in the United States. And there are a couple of places that have some cricket grounds there, you know, up and about and another one being built, but they'd have to have the, uh, the, the footprint seating wise to allow that to be, you know, something that would actually work. So, you know, I don't know if... Uh, if we're going to be playing games here, it'd be great. But uh, Matt Dean, who I'd mentioned when I started into this, um, suggested, you know, in terms of getting people interested in the game and watching the game, you know, could the uh, could the AFL fork out the big bucks for an ad during the Super Bowl, especially if the game is going to be on Fox Sports, because they kind of rotate between CBS um, and Fox Sports and I think NBC, uh, the, the different networks here get it on occasion. Um, you know, could they could they have you know spend the money because you know a a thirty second ad uh, during the Super Bowl can cost millions of dollars. It cost millions of dollars to put to broadcast that. Um, you know, maybe they go ahead and have that ad because that game's usually being being played in early February. And, uh, you know, do that ad during the Super Bowl and then have the gather round early in early March. Maybe have the gather round early. If you're going to have it here, you know, maybe you would do it here um, after doing that advertising. Or maybe you just advertise it and, and remind people that the game is going to be on FS1, FS2, Fox Soccer Plus. Maybe put the occasional game on um, the regular Fox channel just to highlight it, you know, even if it's an overnight thing just to highlight it or at least advertise it and put commercials on there for it and let people know about it. And again, that's something I keep talking about. Um, and, uh, and as he said, you couldn't do that until the U S uh, until cricket really takes off here. Cause you would need the ground for it. So, you know, Matt, I think you're absolutely correct on that. I think we would need to have the ground in place for that. Um, 
Now, a couple of other things I wanted to get into today. You know, I'm not going to talk a lot about the games from this week. You know, a couple uh, the, the games that I thought were the two best ones of the weekend, of course, were, of course, were, uh, were St. Kilda, North Melbourne. Oh, OK, I'm kidding. Um, Port, the Port Adelaide and Essendon game, I thought, was phenomenal. Uh, I spoke to my uh, my friend uh, Bevan Jones, who's a big Port supporter from Legends with Bevo. Uh, I talked to him on Monday no, Sunday evening, my time, and that interview will be out here shortly. Um, but, you know, I asked him point blank, is is Ken Hinckley allowed to start buying green bananas yet? Is he going to be there for a while? And, uh, you know, I, I the way they're playing right now, I don't know. I mean, they may not offer him a contract extension during the season. It may still be a wait and see thing in terms of what happens later on in 2023. But I'll tell you what, that club is rallying for him. Um, you know, he has got them up at the number five spot. They're six and two. Uh, they've won five in a row. Uh, this is a a quality club. This is a very quality club. And it's, uh, you know, I am I'm curious to see what happens with them going forward? Because like I said, I think this is, this is a team that could make some noise. And again, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They're probably going to get the win this week because they uh, are at Blundstone Arena playing against North Melbourne. So I think that's one we can probably assign the four points to Port Adelaide there. Now, of course, I say that, you know, with North Melbourne having been sledged and, and hammered um, pretty difficultly in the last several rounds here since they low in the first two games. Watch them turn around and just play lights out and actually win a game this week. Now, I'm probably not going to be tipping North Melbourne, okay? I know I'm not tipping North Melbourne. Um, but they have just been absolutely phenomenal so far this year. I've been very impressed with them. And the other game of the round, we kind of alluded to this one earlier with uh, with Matt Rowell and his, his grazing habits, if you will. But that Gold Coast and Melbourne game was absolutely terrific as well um i i was very very impressed by both of these sides um you know noah anderson i think he's going to be an all australian this year is just as a phenomenal player um and i think yeah of course clayton oliver will be as well you know petraka had a bit of a down game he only had 26 disposals you know he only kicked one goal he only had eight clearances uh you know, Oliver with 28, uh, six clearances, you know, four tackles himself. But uh, the dual ruck situation is is working now that you've got Max gone back healthy again. But uh, this is a a side, you know, the, the D's that I, I think that, you know, you have to think right now that there are likely – a handful of clubs that you could see playing in the grand final. I think Collingwood would probably be there right now. I think the D's would probably be there. And I guess you could say, you know, the, the top six clubs on the ladder right now, maybe the top seven, I think maybe you could put the Bulldogs in there. Maybe. Uh, I don't know about Carlton because Carlton is, is just kind of fading, but you know, I worry about the Bulldogs in terms of their percentage right now, but I think that'll probably improve. Um, but you know, you know, the Magpies are, are playing lights out. And, and again, I'll, I'll say it again. I tip the Magpies to not make finals this year because I thought they were going to find themselves in a situation where they could not continually win all of those close games like they did last year. Well, turns out they are. And uh, 
I, I, I can't help but be impressed. Okay. I cannot help but be impressed. And, um, it is, uh, it is a very good club. Now I want to get back to Gold Coast in Melbourne for just a moment. And I want to ask you a bit of a hypothetical here. Okay. Uh, if Tuke Miller was not out with his leg injury, if Tuke Miller is not out with his leg injury, does Gold Coast win that game last week? It was a five-point game. It was a five-point game. And, you know, Gold Coast you know, kicked uh, 13-7. They were pretty accurate around the goal. It was a... Uh, it was a game in which they uh, they won clearances forty two to thirty six against a club with arguably one of the better midfields, and you would think having Tuke Miller in there, that might have been been an even bigger or better um, disparity for Gold Coast. Uh, you know they they did not have as many inside fifties. They only had forty five inside fifties compared to sixty one for Melbourne. Uh, but they they did score at a higher clip on their inside 50s, 42% to 38%, and 29% to 21%. Uh, they got a goal every, you know, every 29 to, well, 29% of the time they got it, they kicked a goal. And only 21% for Melbourne when they got it inside that they kicked a goal. So I, you know, I'm not saying Gold Coast ran out of time, but I honestly think that had Tuke Miller played in that game, and again, we we can't go back and redo it. Okay, you know, and D supporters are telling me I'm full of crap right now, and, and so be it. That's fine, but I just I think that the uh, the Gold Coast Suns showed me something there uh, that desperately needed to be shown. Now, again, they're still only three and five right now. They're gonna get they're gonna get likely to four and five this week. They've got the Eagles this week. This is a club that I did tip to play finals. Okay, this is a club that I did tip to play finals. And, uh, you know, if we look at the the remaining fixture that they have, I mean, they still have. They've got the Eagles coming up this week. Um, they've got the Ruse coming up one more time yet this year. They've got the Hawks coming up yet again as well. Um, you know, so they've, they've got some, you know, they still have to play the Blues twice. So it's not necessarily an easy schedule for them, but, but this is a club that if everybody gets back healthy, I don't know, they might actually make their first run towards the finals this year. I, I tipped them to finish eighth. I'm not cheering for it to happen. This just, you know, was what I had been thinking, what I thought would possibly be the case. Now, before I wrap up, I, uh, I would, I would be uh, neglectful in my, in my discussion. If we did not talk about the, uh, the booing situation that went on, um, with Buddy Franklin uh, at the MCG. And I didn't realize this was the first time in a decade that that the Swans had come to the MCG to play against Collingwood. You know, and I, uh, of course, you know, Collingwood you know, and Richmond coming to you know, Cardinia Park. Let's not hold our breath on that. I know that M1, it's, r- it's rough terrain. Uh, Essendon's coming there this year, though. So I'm kind of impressed by that. But the uh you know, looking at, at the Swans really trying to intimidate Nick Dacos, uh or Dacos, I I don't think it worked. Okay. I don't think it worked. And uh it was um I think it was something that ended up biting 
the uh the swans on the backside you know again i think the swans are still in a little bit of disarray um you know but you know dacos had a little bit of an off day he only had 25 disposals you know he had uh um five tackles you know so it was not his best day of the season you know josh had a uh a pretty decent day with you know two behinds 23 disposals um one clearance so I think it was great to see his his teammates come to his defense. Uh, you know, he did not engage. But I, and again, I've I've never been to a game in person, so I don't know the how the pulse of the crowd works. Um, yeah, and I, and I know the story about Adam Goods being booed, and uh, and and you know, I here in the United States we boo. Okay, if we don't like somebody, we're going to let them know about it. Okay, and and I guess it's a, I guess it's maybe more of a cultural thing in Australia than it is here. We we, and I heard somebody, uh, uh, I think it was actually on uh, the uh, one of the uh, uh, Damian Barrett's radio broadcast this morning, his podcast this morning. You know, talking about how you know, people say, well, they we paid our money, you know, we get to do what we want or we get to boo that sort of thing. Well. Here in the U.S., that tends to happen. Uh, but I guess it's more of an etiquette thing in Australia that it, it doesn't happen with as much frequency. And 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 I and I don't necessarily want I'm not trying to find uh, Collingwood supporters to see if they want to come in and talk about this if they were at the game. And maybe it was it sounded like it was just one section of the ground. Um, but was this a uh, was this a situation where they were just they were upset because of what the Swans had done? uh to um to young mr dacos uh at the outset of the game and this was just their way of saying you know what we're gonna go ahead and boo your best player to get back at you ha ha look at what we did and i I don't know maybe that was part of it maybe that was part of what went on there um and again you know this is a a mass of people it's a group of people that are that are having this this gut reaction to what they what they saw transpiring on the ground. Now, I don't think, I don't think that, yeah. And 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 again, I do want to say I I applaud Collingwood's reaction to this. I applaud their the comments from Darcy Moore from uh, Coach McRae. Uh, I ju- I just think that that was a very class move on their part. Uh, but it just was. Uh, it was just a, uh, it's kind of a, an ugly thing, if you will. Um, and I, and I wonder, um, you know, as long as, you know, I guess as long as people are not, you know, spouting off racial epithets. And again, I, I don't think there's any, there's no place for that at all. Okay. I'm sorry. If you're, if you're, if you're calling somebody, a racially charged name. I'm just going to say it right now. First of all, you're flat out wrong for doing that. Okay. And quite frankly, I think that the money you're going to spend on the next ticket to go to a game, you need to save that money and maybe the f- subsequent game. So you can go to the tattoo parlor and ask the tattoo artist to tattoo a sphincter right to the middle of your forehead. So everybody can see the asshole that you are coming from a distance. Okay. I, I yeah. I, I guess I don't the booing thing. I guess I don't see why that is, you know, that's that big of a deal. I know that I've seen where, you know, um, 
players who are off on the wing getting ready to you know to kick a goal from that that severe angle and the supporters are right there along the uh, the fence line and they're screaming and hollering and that sort of thing at them and if they're just if they're yelling trying to distract them whatever the case may be guess what i don't see a problem with that this isn't golf okay this isn't golf I, i'm i'm a much bigger fan of the happy gilmore approach to golf where you know let's get the crowd rowdy okay sorry shooter mcgavin it's way too boring otherwise okay but if you're going to be you know spouting off racially tinged things like that and calling people you know racial epithets and such i don't think there's any place for that at all and i think it's disgusting but the booing thing i i guess i understand you know the the mindset of it being you know kind of the proper thing to do you know that that oh well we don't want to do that sort of thing but uh i guess my american mindset just looks at it a little bit differently and i and i guess i don't uh i don't quite see that the same way i don't i don't necessarily have a problem with booing you know i i maybe having a reason to boo you know i don't think you know because that's a very likely the last time that that magpie supporters are going to see buddy franklin play a game at the mcg against them he you know the swans may be back this year to play against somebody else later on but you know they're they're not um they're not playing collingwood there again likely during his career in fact, I'm looking at the Swan schedule right now. They do have one one more appearance at the MCG this year. Okay, they play the Tigers in round 17. Uh, they are at Marvel Stadium uh, on uh, on the uh, 20th of May, and then they're back at Marvel on the 28th of July to face off against the Bombers. Um, but uh, That might be it for seeing Buddy there, and it's. I think it's. It's really tragic that uh, that that has that that has happened uh, to him. But like I said, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna go ahead and uh, and call somebody names like that, go get that tattoo, because everybody needs to know that you're there. All right, everybody needs to know who you are. And I like the the lifetime bans that are happening for players or for people coming in the stands that are doing that sort of thing. I see no problem with that either. You know, if you get into a fight with somebody in the stands. Uh, yeah, if you're the aggressor, because because there's plenty of cameras nowadays, you're gonna probably be able to figure out who's done, who's been the one to initiate something. If you're initiating, you know, physical, you know, contact with somebody like that, where you're fighting them or you're you're assaulting them, you don't need to be at the games anymore. Just sit at home and get your KO subscription and watch the games there and lament the fact that you can never go back again. And hopefully, I'll have the money to come take your seat. And I can cheer my ass off because I'm going to be so thankful and so grateful to be there to actually be watching a game in person. Okay. So, ladies and gents, before I wrap up, I do want to mention to you, I will be sitting down tomorrow with Mick Aussie a day early to do my uh, tips for round nine. Uh, I have a school appointment uh, on Thursday evening when we would normally record. Uh, we have our scholarship night for the school. We'll be giving out tons of scholarships to students who are graduating this year. So as one of the uh, advisors for our National Honor Society, I have to be there for that. So we're going to record a day early. I do have my interview with Bevan Jones, which will be coming out here very shortly as well. I do hope you'll head over to my website, yankonthefooty.com, and get on the mailing list. I hope you'll uh, subscribe to the podcast at your favorite host as well. I hope you'll tell your friends about it. If you enjoy the show, uh, 
please consider heading over to my website and leaving a review right there. Uh, it really helps uh, me be able to get some street cred with uh, prospective listeners down the road. Uh, also, if you've got, you know, if you're here in the U.S. and you got friends who are NFL fans who have not checked out footy, I've got a half dozen, actually eight episodes on why NFL fans would love Australian football. You know, dive into my uh, my catalog and you can share all of those. I've got NFL fans, you know, from Australia who are footy fans. I've got footy fans who are NFL fans here in the United States. I have um, Darren Bennett, who played the game at the highest level in both uh, the AFL and in the NFL as well. Um, if you want to help out the podcast, you, you can certainly check out my uh, store page over on Redbubble. Uh, there's a link to that on my website as well. I am going to be having a few new designs coming on there pretty soon. I've got one special one uh, that I think um, is going to be very polarizing. Okay. I think it's going to be a very polarizing thing I'm working on right now. Uh, I'm working on the design for it. My daughter does a little bit of graphic design stuff as a hobby. So I need to get in touch with her and see if she can help me out with that. If, if not, I'll work on finding somebody that can design it for me as well. Uh, but it's kind of just a little sneaky thing. And I alluded to it here in this episode. And I actually alluded to it during a preview episode earlier in the year as well with one of the clubs that is, I, well, I'll just give you a hint. It's one of the clubs that is in the top four right now. I don't want to say too much more about it, but you might be able to figure that one out if you've listened to this episode. Also, ladies and gents, if you want to help out the podcast monetarily, you can certainly do that. Uh, my buy me a coffee page. Uh, you can, you know, you can help out there. Anything that comes in there goes right back into the podcast to help keep it on the air, uh, to pay the fees to to run the website, to run the uh, the podcast host and that type of thing. Again, I do hope you'll share the episode, folks. Um, if you need to talk with somebody, if you're having some issues, if you are in need of some help, um, please check my show notes. I have those numbers for, you know, for like uh, Beyond Blue and uh, the hotlines here in the United States. Those numbers are in my show notes. Please reach out to somebody, check on your friends, tell me you love them. Get out and go for a coffee, go for an ice cream. You know, if you happen to run into our president at the ice cream parlor, be sure to tell him hi. Uh, he seems to spend a lot of time there. But ladies and gentlemen, as I wrap up, as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. <laughs>